Albert Einstein, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, John F. Kennedy, Tony Robbins, Michael Phelps, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of industries. What else do they have in common? Well, they all have ADHD, but you don't hear much about that, do you? You know what you hear even less about? The successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm an attorney, not a doctor, a lifelong student, not a coach. I'm also the creator of Cortography, a patent-pending system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your superpowers, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest superpowers. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Tracy Otsuka, and welcome to episode 10 of ADHD for Smartass Women, Why Exercise is So Important for the ADHD Brain. Now, I know you've heard me say this a number of times, but medication does not work for me. And because it doesn't work for me, I had to find something else. You know, I realize today that my entire life, I've always done some form of exercise. Since my ADHD diagnosis, I've really noticed the importance of exercise in my life, but I've sort of flipped it, and at least in my mind, and I use exercise more as medicine. I've always been a gym rat, but I used to go to the gym at the end of the day, and what I've noticed today is I need to start my day with exercise. I outfitted my home with a small gym. It's the first thing I do when I set my feet on the floor. It's how I start my day. I don't do a lot, but I do a combination of 30 minutes of aerobic exercise and 15 minutes of weight training. It's simple. I don't have to go anywhere. It doesn't matter what I look like. I just get out of bed and I know I will do it. Now, on weekends, I will go hike out in nature with my family. You know, I love to garden. I usually try to do the the gym kind of exercise at least five days a week. Sometimes I do it six days a week. And I know that it helps me with everything from focus to anxiety to mood. My cortisol levels, like most people, they're highest in the morning. And so there are times that I can wake up and I'm just unsettled. But once I'm done exercising, I feel great. It's a way to start the day outright. And it allows me, and this is what I love the most, it allows me total control over how I feel. I know that if I don't feel great in the morning, I just have to get myself into the gym. I have to get through my workout and I always feel 100% better. So I know that exercise works for me, but I wanted to know why does exercise work for me? So we know that our ancestors were hunters and to survive, we were constantly on the move, hunting prey, finding water. Today though, we're usually at a desk and more often than not, just as a society, we're kind of eating crap. 
And this lack of movement and poor diet is really at the expense of our brains. For those of us with ADHD, it's even worse because we really need our body to move in order to function well and remain healthy. Now, the best book that I've read on all of this is a book called Spark by John Rady. John Rady is a psychiatry professor at Harvard Medical School. And he also has ADHD. He co-authored Driven to Distraction with Edward Hallowell, who also has ADHD. And you know how I feel about doctors. They have to have ADHD for me to really pay attention to, to them because I just feel like unless you've been there, how will you ever know? Through a combination of stories, interviews, and research, Rady concluded that frequent, moderate to high-intensity cardio permanently improves psychological health. It reduces anxiety for all people. And in Britain, it's the first line of defense. Actually, it's not just anxiety, it's depression as well. In Britain, it's the first line of defense before medication for depression. In the US, it's vastly underused. You know, we get diagnosed with ADHD, and the first thing that comes out is the script for Ritalin or Adderall, typically. You know, I've never had a psychologist or a psychologist tell me or my son, about the benefits of exercise. For decades, we've all heard that we need exercise for a healthy body, right? And it's, it's not just been the healthy body, but it's also been, you know, vanity. We look good. It turns out that we also need exercise for a healthy brain. And beyond that, we need exercise so that we can best learn. Exercise leads to an increase in the level of neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin in our brains. It also sharpens our focus and improves our mood, concentration, and motivation. And get this, motivation is biological. It has nothing to do with a weak character, okay? And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a bit. So I want to back up and set kind of a foundation. So in 1990, we had the landmark study that proved that ADHD stems from a biological irregularity. PET scans featuring brain activity showed that the brains of adults with ADHD, they just work differently than those without ADHD. So John Rady, who was a psychiatrist at the time, was seeing his ADHD patients. And he started to realize that a lot of them were actually really smart, high-performing, high-functioning professionals. They didn't fit the ADHD stereotypes. And the thing is, no one was talking about them. They were successful, and they had done one thing. They had discovered on their own that they could use exercise as a way of self-medicating so that they could be more productive. I consider myself one of those people. From the time that I was little, I think seven years old, I danced ballet. Once I got into my teenage years, I danced ballet six days a week, probably an hour and a half to two hours a day. When I stopped ballet, I just started running. I never liked running, but there was something, I just knew that there was something about running that helped my brain, that just made me feel better. When I got to college, I got into bodybuilding. And then I worked as an aerobics instructor for a lot of health clubs. I started my own little aerobics company. You know, I was constantly doing something around exercise. But I thought of exercise as a way to burn off my excess energy, to look good, to feel better. But I didn't put two and two together. And I didn't realize that the reason it made me feel better was because it helped me focus better, think more clearly. It actually helped to motivate me. 
We know that dopamine and norepinephrine regulate the attention systems. These are the same neurotransmitters that stimulant medication releases to help us pay attention and focus better. So exercise does exactly the same thing that Ritalin and Adderall does for our brains. Exercise increases these neurotransmitters in the ADHD brain, and it does this immediately, just like ADHD medication, but better because it balances these neurotransmitters. Look, I am really sensitive to medication. I should say any medication that involves the brain. And what we've discovered is I'm a slow metabolizer. What that means is I need a much lower dose for anything that involves my brain than the normal person. So my problem is I can't get my dose of stimulant medication high enough to have it positively affect my ADHD symptoms because it creates serious anxiety in me. So these meds that I've tried, and I've tried all of them, actually make my ADHD symptoms much worse. I feel completely unbalanced when I'm on them. Exercise, on the other hand, increases and it balances all of these neurotransmitters perfectly in my body. Exercise also reduces our startle reflex. By the way, a high startle reflex is common among us ADHDers, and I never know if it's a high startle reflex or a low startle reflex. I know that it doesn't take much for me to startle, right? And it's because we have a highly sensitive nervous system. A high startle re reflex, however, is also or can also be an indicator of anxiety. Now, the good news is I want you to know that psychopaths don't startle. So we're not psychopaths. Anyway, exercise also helps us to better regulate our emotions and it makes us less irritable. It helps us relieve stress. Of course, I keep saying it boosts our mood. It calms our mind. It helps us work off excess energy and aggression. Now, what about learning and exercise? What does exercise do for our ability to learn? So I want to tell you about um, this town near Chicago called Naperville. And John Rady wrote about it in Spark. I can't recommend Spark highly enough. And I'm going to put it in the show notes. But if you are interested at all in the connection between exercise and learning and exercise and ADHD and exercise and mood, I just cannot recommend this book, Spark, highly enough. So in 2003, the school noticed that some of their students were struggling with reading. And I think in Naperville, there were two high schools. So the gym teachers at the Naperville high schools created a zero-hour PE class so that these students could participate in an academic reading class. The PE class was right before the academic reading class, and the school wanted to test and see, could exercise help students learn better? So what they did is they had these students work out before their reading class, their academic reading class, using treadmills and all kinds of other exercise equipment. But they also had heart rate monitors, so the students had to reach their targeted heart rate zones for 25 minutes. They also wanted the students to understand how and why exercise helps the brain function. Now, what ended up happening is this program made these students the fittest in the nation, but also in some categories, the smartest in the world. Academically, Naperville High School, they're currently in the top 10 in the state. And I think they're in the top 100. I just research that as well, the top 100 in the country, and they spend less money per pupil than other high schools in their district. 
Yeah, so they consistently rank in the top 100 of schools in the nation. The school then went on to schedule the students' toughest academic subjects right after PE. What they realized is this, well, let me back up a little bit. So what they do is not only do they have this a zero period PE class or, you know, exercise class, they call it, I think, learning readiness class. But then what they also do is they have bikes and balls right in the classroom. So even in the reading classes, the kids are constantly getting up and moving. And the test results were incredible. So reading scores almost doubled and math scores went up by 20%. Now, exercise doesn't make you smarter, but what it does is it puts your brain in the optimal position for learning. There is basically no brain function that exercise doesn't affect in a positive way. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about in this Naperville study was that when they had the zero PE class at 7.30 in the morning, but let's say the most difficult subject for a specific student was math, and that math class was in the afternoon, their scores didn't go up. So the math class had to be right after the learning readiness class or the zero period PE class. Okay, so let's talk about ADHD and exercise. So in those of us with ADHD, we know that exercise helps us focus, concentrate, and learn better. Particularly, though, exercise that involves structured movement like martial arts. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in a bit. A dose of exercise is like taking a dose of stimulant medication like Ritalin or Adderall. And over time, exercise helps build up the machinery to increase the amount of neurotransmitters in the brain. Remember, we have a lack of dopamine. Rady isn't entirely sure how exercise primes the brain for learning, but in lab studies with mice and humans, exercise is shown to prompt the brain to produce greater amounts of protein that's called BDNF, which he likens to miracle growth for the brain. So it encourages brain cells to sprout synapses, which form the connections that the brain needs to learn. It also strengthens cells and protects them from dying out. BDNF essentially promotes the creation of new brain cells. So when you exercise, guess what? You are growing your brain. We've also discovered that exercise also plays a role in neurogenesis, which is the production of new brain cells in middle-aged and older adults. The bottom line is that there's an increase in the ability to absorb knowledge and to learn things. Working out, exercise is perhaps the most positive and efficient way to reduce hyperactivity and inattention from ADHD. Now, I mentioned this just a second ago, but surprisingly, one of the best treatment strategies for ADHD involves establishing extremely rigid structure. So what am I talking about? Well, activities like martial arts or any highly structured form of exercise like ballet, which is, you know, what I did for a good almost 10 years from the age of seven on. So exercise like ballet, figure skating, gymnastics, less traditional sports like rock climbing, mountain biking, skateboarding, those work as well. What you need is you need complex movements and heavy exertion. So aerobic activity, it gets the heart rate up and the complicated movements like think about ballet, all the different steps you need to learn, that helps to stimulate thinking. So you have to challenge the brain and the body at the same time. 
when your brain cells are working, they pour out neurotransmitters and BDNF. Remember the miracle grow for the brain? And then our brain cells all can knit together. The thought behind why these highly structured activities work so well for those of us with ADHD is that they tap into the focusing power of the fight or flight response. So for the brain, when we're, let's say, skateboarding, it's kind of like this is do or die, right? There is a lot of overlap between attention and movement. They share overlapping pathways, which is probably why these activities work so well for ADHD kids and, of course, adults. You have to pay attention while you're learning new movements, which engages and trains your brain. You can imagine if you're on a skateboard and you're doing some, oh, I don't know, real scary movements, which... In my mind, all skateboard movements are. You really have to focus. You have to pay attention while you're learning. So what else does Rady recommend? Well, he recommends exercising in the morning, exactly what it is that I've learned to do. And if you take medication, he recommends that you take medication an hour to an hour and a half after exercising, which is when the spike in dopamine and norepinephrine will start to wane. Rady finds that if his patients exercise daily, they also need a lower dose of stimulant medication. So figure out the exercise piece first. Get that down. See where that takes your focus and attention. And then if you still need more, weave in the stimulant medication. You know, we do it backwards here, right? We get diagnosed and first we're put on the stimulant medication. Rady recommends that we exercise in the morning, basically what I, on my own, discovered, that I need to start my day out with that hit of dopamine and norepinephrine and, you know, all the feel-good mood benefits of that. Now, if you take medication, he recommends that you take medication an hour to an hour and a half after exercising, which is when the spike in dopamine and norepinephrine will start to wane. He also finds that if his patients exercise daily, they need a lower dose of stimulant medication. So figure out the exercise piece first, and then if you still need more, then weave in the stimulant medication. Now, these are the same neurotransmitters, the dopamine and norepinephrine, that stimulant medication releases to help us pay attention and focus better. Rady also recommends that you get your heart rate up to 75% of your maximum for about 30 minutes for most days. So you want to be exercising on a daily basis if you can. Also, the long-term brain benefit, that BDNF that we were talking about, the miracle growth for the brain, remember that promotes the creation of new brain cells. So when you're exercising, you're actually growing your brain. Now, 30 minutes is ideal, but look, Less is better than not doing it at all, but choose the form of exercise that you will actually do. I want to remind you, remember, motivation is biological. So start with exercise that involves your interest because then you're going to be so much more likely to do it. couple other things. The best exercise apparently also involves nature. So if you like nature and you like to run, that's perfect. Or if you love nature and you're, you know, you love to hike and you can do a hike that gets your, that gets your heart rate up high enough, that would be the perfect exercise for you. People with ADHD, they also have a more difficult time waking up. 
I'm not one of those, thankfully. I just, I'm one of these people that just needs no sleep. You know, it's, my problem is getting myself into bed because, you know, bright, shiny objects and there's so much that I feel I still want to do in every day, but I don't have trouble actually falling asleep and I don't have trouble getting up in the morning. But I have heard from a lot of you with ADHD that that is really difficult for you. You can barely drag yourself out of bed. So know that exercise really helps in that way. And I know that there are times when I do have, you know, I went to bed really late and I do have trouble getting up in the morning, but if I could just get on that piece of equipment, I'm telling you, everything kicks in and I'm wide awake. So we don't really know how long the spike in dopamine and norepinephrine lasts after exercise, but again, anecdotal evidence seems to indicate it's an hour to an hour and a half of calm and clarity right after we exercise, which is why they say that, you know, if you're going to take meds, take them right when you start to feel the effects of exercise wearing off. So like an hour to an hour and a half after you exercise. What else can I tell you? Give yourself a reward. I always, what gets me out of bed, to be honest, is I think, ah, I can listen to audiobooks and podcasts. That is my time. Nobody else is up. And I can get all my learning in at the same time. So it's interesting now that I'm sitting here saying this, I am actually kind of using my brain and learning while I'm exercising. And that really, it, it does really well for me because it gets me thinking about things I wouldn't ordinarily be thinking about. I'm learning about things that I didn't know. And it really sets a good course for my day. And a lot of times it is the impetus between what I choose as far as a podcast subject or a, an Amazon Alexa, you know, flash briefing uh, subject. Okay. So bottom line, you have to find something that you like to do so you're going to do it. Research clearly shows that the more fit you are, the better your brain functions cognitively and psychologically. If you get your body in shape, your brain will follow. And if that's not enough motivation to exercise more, I don't know what is, but I want to tell you about a few more things that I learned that I thought were really interesting. I mentioned in previous podcasts how much nicotine helps the ADHD brain focus. I did not know that, but it's why we see a lot of writers with cigarettes in their hand. But we know that nicotine isn't good for you, right? It's addictive, but it's the strange addiction because it works as a stimulant and a relaxant at the same time. Now, what they've discovered is that exercise fights the urge to smoke because it increases dopamine and it also lowers anxiety and stress. It staves off cravings for 50 or more minutes. So there's a much longer time between cigarettes if you choose to replace some of your cigarettes with some time exercising. It also turns out that exercise helps with self-regulation. What they've discovered is that when you exercise, you end up going to the gym more, you end up smoking less, you end up drinking less caffeine and alcohol, you eat less junk food, and you make less impulsive purchases. You also lose your temper less. What else? And this isn't about exercise, but I thought this was really interesting because of our ADHD brains. Rodents who ate 30% fewer calories lived up to 40% longer. And I believe they did this study with primates and it seemed to indicate similar stats. Low carb diets, you know, the Atkins diet, the um, keto diet, paleo, they're not good for your ADHD brain. You need whole grains with complex carbohydrates that supply a steady flow of energy. So that's what I have for you today. As always, 
You are listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. If you like what you're hearing, I would so appreciate if you drop us a review. If you'd like to know more about me, our patent-pending cartography system, or if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or, or a topic idea for this podcast, feel free to contact me. If you go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and click on podcast in the navigation bar, you'll see a microphone to your right where you can leave me an audio message. You can also reach out to me at tracy at tracyoutsuka.com. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. If you liked what you heard, we sure would appreciate a review. And not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, well, that's also the name of our free Facebook group. Go look it up. We're a totally smart-ass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. We'd love to have you join us. You can also find all my details over at tracyoutsuka.com. Don't forget, I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.